We're talking New York Giants football today with ESPN's Mina Kimes. We're covering topics A to Z, including Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, the New York Giants in year two under head coach Brian Dable, and so much more. That's coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana. Happy to have you with us as always as we continue our countdown to training camp. And uh, joining me on today's program, I'm very, very delighted to welcome in Mina Kimes of the Mina Kimes Show over on ESPN. She is a first-time visitor to the podcast. Hopefully, she'll be back with us again. But uh, Mina, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, Mina, let's jump right in. We're going to talk New York Giants. But before we get to New York Giants, I want to start off with uh, your take on the NFC East. You know, um, last year, the NFC East probably was one of, if not the best, um, divisions in football. The year before, not so much so. What do you think was the turning point for the division? Why did it get better? Mm. Uh, You know, a few factors across the different teams. I think... um... Philadelphia and Dallas being the powerhouses. I would say starting with Dallas, the defense becoming an elite unit in the NFL over the last couple of the years has has been pretty significant as far as their record and their success goes. Philadelphia is such a balanced roster, but I would probably point to the trajectory of Jalen Hurts being the single biggest factor. Uh, Washington quietly, oh, I feel like under the radar, that defense really turned things around last season obviously one of the more dominant defensive fronts in football held back by quarterback play. And then finally with New York, I, I really put a lot of it on the coaching staff. Big reason why Brian Dable got my vote for coach of the year last season, um, just building uh, a very efficient offense around Daniel Jones, tailoring it to his skill sets, to skill set, pardon me, despite some limitations from a personnel standpoint, and then some injuries on both sides of the ball was really, really impressive. When you look at the Giants and what they were able to accomplish last year and even this offseason, how much do you think they closed the talent gap between Dallas and between themselves, Dallas and Philly? It's it's hard to say because I do think when you when you really look at these depth charts, um, you still see that Dallas and Philly have an edge. But I would say Dallas and Philly have an edge over the entire NFC. Like if the Giants were in the NFC South, I think a lot of us would pick them to win the division. Frankly, it's it's their bad fortune being in a, a division with two teams that along with San Francisco, I think pretty clearly have the three best rosters in the entire conference. Um, I did like a lot of what the Giants did this offseason. I'm really excited to see in particular on offense uh, how that bears out. Um, and then, of course, you know, with with Daniel Jones taking such a massive leap last season, um, the contract, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that briefly or in a bit, rather, um, it, it, it's kind of a bet on that continued improvement in future performance. And that's probably going to be key to closing the gap is whether or not he can be even better than we saw last season. When you look at what the Giants did last year, I mean, they had a brand new coaching staff. Brian Dable had never been a head coach. He put together a staff 
consisting of guys that he had never worked with before. The players, he didn't really know the players as well. There were injuries. I mean, how were they able to pull it off in your opinion? What was, what was the secret sauce? Yeah, I would say um, I love the staff, you know, Wink Martindale, his success in the NFL speaks for itself. Mike Kafka getting head coaching looks this off season. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of positive buzz around him, obviously with Kansas city, but when you come from Kansas city, it's always a question of how much of this is you versus Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So to see him, I think again, elevate a roster that wasn't dramatically changed, really impressive. Uh, and as far as what they did, you know, I, I really keep zeroing in on the offense and um, it's kind of, I, I I would say it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but it it was kind of puzzling in some ways that previous regimes didn't lean more into Jones's skill set as a runner. So building an offense that I think was so based on um, his ability to run, which is really I think continues to be actually underrated, um, and then um, also I think installing concepts that made him uh, make better decisions. Um, you know, I wasn't having to attempt too many tight window throws downfield using the players they have on their, uh, you know, again, like uh, the Giants wide receiver group coming the season probably would have pointed to them as one of the weaker units in the league, even with, without knowing that Galladay wouldn't be a contributor to the extent that he was, but um, finding ways to make the most of players, like Isaiah Hodgins, you know, or kind of cast-offs from other teams or a guy like Richie James, who nobody, I think, would have earmarked to be as productive as he was. Really impressive. And then also, I think, making the most of Saquon Barkley's skill set, both as a rusher, but also as a receiver. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about Saquon in just a moment, but I want to ask you one last thing about uh, the Giants from, from last year to this year. When you look at the rosters, and I understand it's the 90-man roster, the 53-man rosters are not set, but when you look at the improvements the Giants have made, the improvements that Dallas and Washington and Philly have made, how much better do the Giants stack up, and where is their strength in terms of stacking up against their competition in the division? You mean this year, so the current yeah, roster? This year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think um, – there's a few things. Uh, defensively, this has the potential to be a front that maybe, I mean, it's a really, really crazy division when it comes to the defensive lines. But if Leonard Williams is healthy, I would say, let's start there. You asked me kind of where where are they stronger? That would be the combination of him and, and Dexter Lawrence, you could argue, is right up there with your Washingtons in terms of the interior of the defensive line. Um, and then if Kayvon Thibodeau takes another step, he was my favorite edge rusher in the class last year. And I think really flashed down the stretch. You're looking at a very terrifying four-man rush in New York that I would stack up with, you know, certainly in the division and also around the NFL. Um, so that to me is a core strength of this team, the rushing attack because of both Saquon, but also um, again, what Daniel Jones brings to the table is again, um, a strength that has, I would say, we, I would put maybe behind Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts, but certainly above the other two teams in the division. So um, they're very good in those two areas, and I expect them to continue to be very good this season. Hey, Giant fans, get in on all the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. 
Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if their first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. FanDuel offers great promotions, a safe and secure app to set your bets and instant payments. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right. Now, we're talking with Mina Kimes of ESPN, also the host of the Mina Kimes Show. And Mina, let's talk about Saquon and Daniel Jones, who kind of are the, the, the battery, if you will, of that Giants team. I want to start with Saquon, who, of course, as we know, as we record this, still locked in a contract impasse with the Giants. What do you think his value is when you look at, you know, a potential contract for him? We've heard numbers anywhere from 12 million to up to 14 million, 16 million. Where do you think his value lies? I think it would be great if the Giants could sign a deal sort of comparable to like Derrick Henry, what he got uh, from Tennessee, which I believe off the top of my head was about 12-ish, really a two-year deal that looked a little bit longer um, and, and honestly, that's just a reflection of the running back market. The fact that, um, teams are able to get production so much cheaper, um, that maybe not quite comparable, but when you look at the value and where you're spending your money, it isn't a position that most teams want to spend a lot of money on because it is replaceable. I will say though, Saquon is super unique for a couple of reasons. And this is why I would pay him at all. I mean, a lot of teams I would I would not advocate giving even a, a, certainly a double digit contract, double mil, digit millions contract to any running back. But I do think he deserves one. Um, one, obviously his utility, both as a receiver and as a runner, the fact that he is on the field so much, I don't have a snap count in front of me, but I'm sure I can tell you right now, it's definitely amongst the highest in the NFL. Um, and then he, when you look at his advanced numbers, so not just the total yards and whatnot, um, you see a back who's capable of creating beyond what the offensive line was giving to him or beyond the run blocking. Um, you see, a, I think, a running back that really significantly affected the way defenses played in New York, coupled with the presence of Daniel Jones. But Giants faced ton of single high coverage ton of stacked boxes, and I believe they were third in EPA per play versus stacked boxes, which reflects, um, you know, basically in layman's terms, defenses knew they were going to run and they still ran the ball well anyways. And that speaks to, I think, his unique skill set, his explosiveness, and why he's so important to the offense. Why, just out of curiosity, why do you think the running back position has has decreased in value? I mean, you see Ezekiel Elliott out there. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is out there. There's talk that Derrick Henry might get traded. Why Why has the running back market just slid down the tubes? Well, I would say Cook and Elliott, like if you compare them to Saquon, you know, I kind of alluded to the advanced numbers. The advanced numbers are much kinder to Saquon. So you see a real difference in terms of like whether or not these backs are able to um, create outside of the blocking available to them, which is easier to measure now than it was in the past, although still not perfect. Um, but as far as like the market overall, it's a lot of things, Patricia. I think um, some of it is the fact this is more of a passing league. So that certainly matters. You're seeing more teams lean on running back by committee. And then you're seeing teams, I think, increasingly aware that they can get comparable at times, better production from guys on rookie contracts, notably the team that just won the Super Bowl with a seventh rounder and Isaiah Pacheco outproducing their first round draft pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I think, because of all of these factors, unless you have a truly special back who can catch passes, who's on the field a lot, who is dynamic beyond the blocking, it just doesn't make sense financially to hand out contracts. 
Yeah, it just, it's been a weird, you know, downward slide, you know, and yet they do so much between running, catching, blocking. I mean, they do, they do everything and yet they, they don't get compensated for it, which is really weird. You know, some people look at the Giants offense and they say that Saquon's career year that he had last year on which he, I think he had a new uh, rushing high uh, for the season. They say that that was a benefit more so of the system which I think is selling the guy a short a little bit. I mean, when you look at the success he had last year, how much of it was Saquon? How much of it was the offensive system that they ran? I would say it's a mixture of a lot of things. Some of it is, um, I, th- I thought Dable Kafka did a great job of creating space for him in the um, passing game, which was especially notable, I think, because the Giants didn't really attack downfield, so which makes it harder to create space for, for running backs in the past game. But I thought um, he certainly benefited from that. Um, some improved run blocking. I thought he benefited from the presence of Daniel Jones. Something that you know you really see is if you have a quarterback who is a rushing threat, it does uh, in the same way that, you know, the running back helps the quarterback run the quarterback helps the running back because of the way they change the numbers and the way defenses have to account for him. But I also really think a lot of it was, um, production that he created on his own. He's just such a unique back. He's so fun to watch because of his vision, his explosiveness. I think he can be a little bit boomer bust, um, which, uh, you know, in terms of like just down to down success rate. But I also think that if the Giants offense can open things up a little bit in the past game, as we hope this season they can because of some of the additions that will help Saquon on that front. You mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones is part of the mix. I mean, how much is Saquon and Daniels to, uh, to an extent, how much are their respective successes tied into each other? If what, you know, if we were to take one out of the equation, would, would it be the same or, you know, what do you think? I think they really help each other. I mean, we talk a lot about how Saquon helps Jones. I think that's what gets brought up more often. And that's certainly true, especially because again, when you look at the Giants last year, and those the group of skill players, um, it's obvious why Saquon was so important to that offense, especially as I think the offense um, sort of evolved into more of an option-based offense in the run game, but also um, in the past game with RPOs and whatnot, it, it certainly mattered. But I think, um, as I was saying, like having a quarterback who is, who is really a credible th- to th- threat to run certainly helps uh, the running back as well. How do you kind of see this playing out? Because Joe Shane has has gone on record as saying, if the, if Saquon ends up playing on the on the franchise tag, which I think is ten point one million, yeah. he's fine with that. Saquon really doesn't want to play on that that yeah. tag for obvious reasons. He would like the the long term security. How do you see this playing out? Um, well, I'll, I'll first by saying I'd be very surprised if he actually holds out. It just doesn't happen in the modern NFL for number of reasons tied to the CBA and the um, but I would also say at his position, the last time we saw a player hold out was Le'Veon Bell. And I think most people agree that didn't work out for him when you consider his, he did get, go on to get a big contract, but missing that time and the money that he could have earned in Pittsburgh, it, it's rare. It's rarely a good financial proposition, fortunately for players. And when I hear Saquon talk about it, he sounds realistic. You know, he said, I don't want to set the market. I just want a reasonable contract. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get something done kind of similar to what I was speaking about earlier, maybe, you know, a three-year deal that's actually a two-year deal in the 
somewhere 10 to 14 million dollar range that makes both sides happy which probably won't happen until we get a little closer to the July 17 deadline so that they don't leave any money on the table, which I think makes the most sense. But uh, of course, we'll see if that's how it plays out. Uh, Mina, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about what you thought about Daniel Jones's contract and, and the deal he got. I mean, did that surprise you? Do you think he was overpaid or did he get market value? You know, they were in a really tricky position after declining the option. Um because, uh, you know, I, I don't really like I think it's easy for people like me to say, just let him play it out. Let's see if he develops more. But um, teams, you want to get these longer term deals done because of the financial flexibility it creates. Um, I don't really think the Giants had uh, better options. Do I think Daniel Jones would have been paid that on the open market? Probably not, honestly. But I do think it was a product of decisions that they had made in the past, as well as the existing roster. As far as like evaluating the deal itself, it, it's tricky because, um, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, I, Jones is a, is a tough eval because he improved so much last year. Um, but I do think he still has quite a bit to, I mean, not quite a bit, but like I would say, you know, to reach the value of the contract, you'd still want to see him improve this season in terms of pushing the ball down the field more in particular but it's um you know it's it's like how do you how do you evaluate him given the skill players he was working with last year and i would say throughout his course of his career some of the issues in pass protection so you know i think the circumstances around him will be a lot better this year um so we'll see pretty quickly frankly if it was a good contract decision if he continues to grow and keeps that interception rate down while also making the offense more explosive, then I think in that circumstance, New York will feel pretty good about the decision they made because it'll look like a very reasonable quarterback contract very quickly. I want to spin ahead now to the upcoming season training camp, roughly about a month away, maybe exactly a month away, depending on what date they open up. When you look at this team, other than obviously the resolution of the Saquon Barkley contract, what are some of the most glaring questions that this team needs to have answered by the time kickoff uh, rolls around? So offensively, um, loved the trade for Darren Waller, one of my favorite moves of the offseason for a litany of reason. But I'm really excited, curious to see how this wide receiver core shakes out. Jalen Hyatt was a player that I really liked a lot in college. I think he um, has a very unique skill set, obviously stretches the field in a way that's been missing from this off offense. But, you know, production mostly from in the slot, very unique college offense. Uh, so I want to see, like, how does how are they using him? Is he uh, one of the starters, right? Uh, you know, they have a bit of a log jam in the slot generally. So how does that shake out? I would say offensively, that's my number one question is just kind of what is this wide receiver group, not just in terms of the players who are on the depth chart, but where they're playing and how they're used. Um, how, do, how does that look early in the season? And then defensively, um, you know, I think I just kind of want to see what this healthy defensive front looks like together. A um, couple questions on the roster. Um, I would say, I guess, linebacker opposite of Karake, or along with Karake, is going to be interesting. Safety is a little bit of a question mark for me with the departure of Julian Love, but get Xavier McKinney, who's a very nice player back. And then, um, you know, Deontay Bakes, again, a player I really loved in college. When this pack pick happened, when the Giants took him, it was just such a like obvious scheme player fit, made perfect sense. So for me, is he, you know, starting 
from the beginning? What does that look like? Um, and it's, you know, Wink Martindale defense, so his feet will be in the fire pretty quickly. What do you think the one thing the Giants want to avoid, the one thing that maybe can derail them before they even get a chance to really get out of the gate? Hmm. I think um, I would say Waller's health is really important. So I think that's something that matters a lot. That's kind of a key piece in my mind to this offense taking another step. Um, So that's important. And um, yeah, I think the offensive line, you know, uh, some changes on the inside, obviously. I guess I should have mentioned that the center that you guys drafted is starting. It'll be interesting as well. I think you want to see continued progression from the non-Andrew Thomases on the offensive line. And if that doesn't happen early on, that would be concerning, especially because I think they're going to be asking Jones to pass downfield a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. On paper, would you say this team has a top 10 or a potential top 10 offense and defense, or are they just quite not there yet, do you think? They're kind of borderline both, you know? Um, I believe last year they finished as a top 10 offense in DVOA, or at least maybe just outside the top 10. Uh, It was really the defense that let this team down, and a lot of injuries, but the run defense was truly bad (laughs) at times. So, um, I think you do offensively, you can definitely see it's, it's a little bit tricky just because of the competition, but there's certainly a world in which they're in that group defensively. I'd have to see pretty early on some improvement in terms of stopping the run linebacker, you know, can Okereke come in and make a difference. That was probably the weakest position on the team last year. I know the schedule is the schedule, but still you look at the, the giants first 10 games. I think they have most of them on the road. They have some, most of their uh, primetime games in the first, you know, 10 games or so. I mean, how difficult is that? And and how does the team, you know, kind of overcome that? Because that, 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 that schedule is just an absolute, you know, brute, I think. It's a tough division, to, you know, as I don't have the rest of the schedule in front of me, but just knowing there's no gimmies in the NFC East. That's really tricky. It's a lot of really difficult defenses in particular. Um, so I think that, you know, there's immense pressure, especially on Daniel Jones with the contract. And I think this sort of, I know that the, 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 the national narrative about this team, this offense, this quarterback will be there. There aren't really excuses and there or deservedly. So I think excuses the first part of his career so I think, um, you know, to face that gauntlet of defenses, there is certainly a great deal of pressure because of the contract and the expectations that come along with it. But is there an advantage, do you think, to getting them early in the year? Because, you know, presumably the Giants will be at full strength. You know, teams yeah. will be kind of figuring out each other. You know, they've got film from last year, obviously, but there's going to be wrinkles and stuff. So is there an advantage, you think, regardless of the fact that the Giants have to hit the road for most of the first half? You know, it's really just opponent specific and comes down to the health of this team versus the other teams in terms of um, sort of the order of operations in which they're playing them. Um, I would say the Cowboys, Eagles, Commanders, all pretty healthy. Um, Not really thinking of many, I might be missing on top of my head, stars that are missing on some of those teams, but I don't think so. So you know, along those lines, probably not 
an advantage any more so than they have. And then final question for you, Mina. Last year, like I said, brand new coaching staff, first time head coach. The league didn't really have a lot of film. I mean, obviously they knew about Wink Martindale since he had been a coordinator before, but not with the Giants, obviously. So the, the league had to accumulate some film. How did this? How does this coaching staff reinvent itself to keep things fresh, to keep the opponents on their toes so that they don't, you know, get a beat on them as far as how to stop them moving forward? Yeah, defensively, I could have told you that Wink would still blitz as much as he did. So I don't, I don't, not too much surprise there. But offensively, I think is where it's going to be interesting because, um, like I said, defenses really aggressively played the run last year, especially as the year went on. I think um, defenses also were more prepared for Daniel Jones's uh, contributions as a runner as the year went on, and then ultimately in the playoffs against Philadelphia. So I think for the Giants, it really is about that counterpunch. Okay, if you're going to stack the box, if you're going to drop a safety, how can we punish you downfield in the passing attack? And I think, um, you know, early on, we're going to learn a lot about this team's ability to um, punish certain defensive coverages that maybe are more oriented around the idea that they're uh, more of a running team or a team that doesn't really push the ball downfield. Giant fans are definitely excited about year two, especially after the draft, especially after uh, the offseason, the acquisitions, the trades, free agents, all that great stuff. Final thoughts on this team. Yeah, I love this team's draft. It was one of my favorite drafts. I think I, I, I said so on my podcast a month ago. So I'm really excited to see all those young players because they should have pretty significant roles early on. And I'm excited to see if this offense can continue to evolve. I think it's one of the better coaching staffs in football. Really impressed by what they did last year. Um, I think that, you know, as a Giants fan, that's something to be excited about because um, it's obviously looking like you made the right decision. And I think you're going to see in year two whether they can build on that. She is Mina Kime. She's the host of the Mina Kime show over on ESPN. Giant fans, do check her out. Mina, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast with me. Thanks for having me. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast. Keep it here all week. We'll have more for you coming up on your New York Giants. For Mina Kimes, I'm Patricia Trainer. Have a great one, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.